You are listening to the Tuesday Talks podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. We've added a twist to this upcoming episode, a third guest speaker for part three of our Global Call Authentication Domination series. Jim McEachern is a shaken expert and member of the Alliance for Telecommunications Industry Solutions, known as ADIS. He joins Pierce Gorman and Eric Prieskowns on this episode to continue the conversation on the progress towards international call authentication, including debates on stir shaken, the use of rich call data for call signing, and a discussion on how this could be implemented globally. Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and the communications industry. I'm Pierce Gorman, member of Numerical's technical staff, here to do a Tuesday Talks takeover as your host for today for part three of our Global Call Authentication Domination Series. We seem to be setting new precedents for this podcast every time we come together for this series, and today is no different. Today's session will be co-hosted by Eric Prieskowns, Chief Executive of the Risk and Assurance Group and editor of commsrisk.com. And for the first time on the podcast, we're adding a third guest speaker to our lineup. With us as well today, returning podcast guest Jim McEachern of the Alliance for Telecommunications Industry Solutions, better known as ADIS. Welcome to you both. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show, Pierce. Pleasure to be here. Okay, good. Uh, Well, building off the past two episodes in this series so far, uh, we talked about internationalization of stir-shaken call authentication technology, and we also talked about um, rich call data call call authentication, and um, a little bit about delegate certificates. Now, uh, that last piece, the the certificates, is a, a piece that we don't often talk about with call authentication, but it's a critical piece. And uh, Jim, I know that you've you know been active in the past on working on something that I call the the global uh, governance authority policy administrator certification authority uh, framework, sometimes just called global GAPACA. Um, do you want to kind of get us started and, and talk a little bit about what that initiative was and what it's supposed to do for uh, global call authentication? Um, I can do that, Pierce, but actually I want to step back. You said this builds on the first two episodes, and so in preparation for this, I went back and I listened to them, and I just wanted to, I think, um, when I listened to it, I found that I actually almost agreed with everything that that Eric in particular said, almost agreed. Uh, And so I think if I explain where I didn't quite agree, it might help set the stage for for this talk and hopefully for an interesting uh, dialogue between us as we go forward. So, I mean, the, the first issue I had was that Eric uh, objected to the term of no silver bullet because he thought it implied that we were taking a scattergun approach and just trying to do a, a range of, of technologies. And the problem I have with that is, um, you know, talking about a silver bullet implies that you're looking for the solution. I mean, a silver bullet solves a problem, it's gone, end of discussion. And that's just not what Stir Shaken ever was intended to be. It's not a complete solution. It's a tool. It's a tool that can help, but doesn't completely solve the problem. And so you need to think of it as, as tools, and that, and that helps. Um, the other thing he said was that um, technology won't solve, uh, won't solve the problem all by itself without enforcement. Agreed. Where I slightly disagreed was he said, instead of playing whack-a-mole, we should be playing, uh, thinking of it as cat and mouse. And I guess I don't for a second believe that if we take out the top five robocallers in the world, the problem would be solved. 
I don't believe if we took out the top 10 or 100, it would be solved. If there's money to be made, it will bring them back. And so what we need to do is not play either cat and mouse or whack-a-mole, but in fact, try to change the playing field. Because right now, the robocallers have an advantage, and we want to change the playing field so that, um, that, that we have the advantage. It's harder for them to make money, easier to catch them. And that's, if you think about stir-shaking in that context, I think you have a, have a better way of, of doing that. And with that, that is what I mean by, by extending the, you know, changing the playing field and building on, on um, stir shaking as a, as a tool, as a foundational tool, is moving towards what you talked last um, week about uh, rich call data, building on stir that ex extends stir shaken outward to the, the uh, enterprises and allows them to provide um, basically authentication and confirmation of who they are and why they're calling and provides a real value to them by being able to authenticate themselves to the consumers, which hopefully will help with the, um, with the uptake of, of that. So that's, that's um, one thing. And of course, the other way is, which leads into today's talk, is going global. Because today, if you're in the, a U.S. carrier or a Canadian carrier, you can get certificates. Sometime next year, it'll be French carriers that'll be able to get certificates. But you need to go way beyond that. And that's where the, um, the global globalization becomes important. The standards have given us insight into how we could do that. The question is not how, how we could do it, but how we're going to do it. And I, for one, believe that we just need to get on with it and, um, and, and you know, do something that's, that's, that improves the situation. I'll pause and let Eric talk, and then we can get into the specifics of, of the... Um, the, uh, the global uh, GAPA or um, uh, build on that a little bit more detail. Eric, do you want to? Well, I'll defend myself a little bit, Jim, um, partly because I don't think I was critiquing specifically things that you were saying in the past, Jim. And I think you are unusually precise in your choice of words when talking about stir shaken, how to stop rover calls, what's happening in the USA. I think there are other people who are a lot less precise than you, Jim. And I don't think that they are necessarily doing that because they lack an understanding of what the strategy is. I think it's in their interests to be a bit vague, confused, to obfuscate some of the issues. So as we discussed in episode one of this series with Pierce, my point in terms of law enforcement it seems to me to make very little sense to spend a lot of money and require a lot of effort to determine who is the origin of a robocall if you have no intention of taking any legal action against them that therefore would discourage them from continuing to do that. And so you may feel as though targeting the top five or top ten, I didn't say that specifically, but you may say that doesn't have an impact. And I would say, well, why not try for a change? Let's lock some people up and see if it has an impact rather than dismissing the possibility that it has an impact. You, as I say, have been very precise about your choice of words. I think I'm going to recall uh, a publication that quoted you and Brent Struthers in February 14, 2019. New York Magazine told its readers that we are witnessing the beginning of the end of robocalls and that by the end of 2019, spam phone calls could be on the ropes. So my point here is not that you have misled anybody because they accurately reported what you told them, but some people are wanting to run away and make claims and promise results 
that haven't been delivered so far and probably aren't likely to be delivered in the way that currently the US strategy as a whole is being executed. And that then leads to a problem because if the messaging to the US public is confused, the messaging for the rest of the world is confused as well. And I'm going to tag on that too. Because uh, I had a conversation recently where we were talking about stir shake, and I think it was with you, Eric, but it was an email where I said that uh, some will claim that the value or that the reason and the purpose for stir shaken was to combat number spoofing and that this was going to prevent number spoofing and that that was going to be the thing that really saved people from illegal robocalling or the, the scourge of illegal robocalling or the worst, worst aspect of illegal robocalling. And my comment was, well, almost certainly won't because the numbers get spoofed before the call ever gets signed and it's very difficult and we, I went into some detail about how hard it is to know uh, from a call signer's perspective whether or not a number that came in off of a trunk should have been there or not and so in my view of things stir shaken uh, call authentication which operates between carriers it's a signing carrier and a verifying carrier uh, is only useful as a way to improve the performance of traceback to find who signed the call. Now that may not get you to the actual service provider that that originated the call because there's a couple of things going on. One is uh, the stir shaken mandates haven't been, uh, I'll say the deadlines have not expired yet. June 2023 is the deadline for the smaller service providers that were uh, given a waiver in the original rule that required it. Uh, but then there are also service providers that are having downstream service providers sign on their behalf, which obfuscates their source. Um, but bottom line there is the value of Stir Shaken, at least from this engineer's perspective, is traceback and identifying the originating service provider. That is only valuable if you're going to try and go prosecute them for bad behavior. So whether it's 5, 10, 100, or whatever, if you're not doing anything, then we probably didn't need to bother with developing and deploying this technology with the exception that it also provided the the enabling framework for doing more interesting things and i'll stop there and i i think yeah makes sense and eric i mean i don't disagree with anything you said uh, all i can do is i can try to uh, i mean you're right i try to to be as precise as i can in this i will continue to do that uh, i do believe in spite of that, that this as an enabling infrastructure can help um, as we, we extend it forward. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't be here. So, well, it's a classic problem of expectations management. Um, and I agree 100% uh, with you. And I've, I said that in public many, many times that one of, my, one of my biggest fears is that people will expect more from this than anything could ever deliver and then we'll declare that it's useless when it's only halfway there. I, 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 that, this is not the first time I said that. Yeah, and so when we, talk, when we put this into an international context, the danger is falling into a trap where overpromising is needed in order to encourage other countries to adopt the same technology because that's seen as essential to the success of the US strategy. But then overpromising then leads to cynicism when it doesn't deliver quickly enough in those countries, and other, other countries then can see there hasn't been the results that were promised. That's the, that's the trap that I feel as though this strategy is now falling into.
that is a trap. I think that the whole discussion about RCD and the fact that that can provide real value to enterprises, um, and in fact, the enterprise, sorry, that can provide real value to enterprises who prove why they're calling and how they're calling, and that creates a pull for it is the potential way out. One of the, or sorry, is, is a way forward, a uh, catalyst to, to move this forward. One of the real big gaps now is that if those enterprises are not in Canada, the U.S., they can't do that. And that brings us back to, to uh, what we were talking about is a way that we can allow uh, service providers and enterprises globally to get their calls signed, um, hopefully, to, I mean, to, I, to create that. And I get why this is twinned in your mind. Though I would say strategically, we're looking at a very different argument for RCD based upon what Pierce and I were discussed in the previous episode. And the big difference being for RCD, if it's seen as a mechanism, a premium priced mechanism for enterprises that want to get their calls picked up, then they have the reason to put the resources to positively support a program of rollout because they see benefits and they will put sufficient resources in to put in adequate know your customer controls because they'll want rcd to work that's very different from a strategy where you have a policing style strategy where everybody has to adopt stir shaken which is currently the mindset that's been driving stir shaken and if therefore there are some bad actors in the system they undermine faith in the entire system. So it's it's a it's a different point of view in terms of whether the goal is to incrementally increase the number of people who are showing their calls are trustworthy versus a big bang approach that requires everybody's calls to be validated at the same time. Um, I hear you. It, it, it's never been my strategy is, is all I'll say. But of course, people aren't checking with me for the strategy, so I, I can't take can't uh, can't can't take full credit or blame for that. But I, I I don't disagree. Yep, and I think then we can also all agree that you know what I've been calling it is it's an experiment, right? Um, in theory, if we have really good traceback information available, and we can improve the performance of the use of that traceback information, the signature that's in the the call then um you know it it could potentially be more more effective and the example that i'll i'll share and i think this was uh, gosh I'm, I'm gonna it was david frankel who used this example i think with me in a conversation that we had that uh if if you were to park your car at the end of and i think he said san francisco international airport and you start broadcasting on the tower frequency it wouldn't be very long before gentlemen with badges would show up and escort you away because you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing and the fcc has uh, radio frequency finding equipment that they use for just that purpose right identifying where there's going to be a problem because of a conflict uh, if, if the automation of traceback was able to be done at that level and the information is available in the registration of the service provider that's doing the signing, right? They had to register with the policy administrator and they also have to register in the FCC's robocall mitigation database. If that information is vetted and reliable and they initiate a robocall campaign, analytics can pick it up probably within minutes. The uh, identification could also be automated probably within minutes. And so you could imagine a situation where illegal robocalling, uh, or I should say service providers that are admitting illegal robocall campaigns could have a knock on their door the same day as the start of the campaign. 
Now that's, you know, that's that would be running at optimal performance. Will we ever get there? Eh, it's really hard to say. You know, there's a lot of lot of stuff that has to happen between now and when that point would be could be reached. But it's it's what you said, Eric. Everybody has to do it for it to work. And you have to do the knocking on the door. You have to prosecute. And if you don't do that, then the strategy is absolutely going to fail. At least that's my opinion. Now, back to the other thing that I enjoy more, which is talking about uh, rich call data, because, you know, I don't like the idea of prosecuting. I like the idea of, of a caller asking permission in a way, right? The, the SIP um, method is called an invite. You're inviting somebody to a session. So if you can provide information about yourself that's reliable and trustworthy and has been vetted, then maybe, you know, your call will be more likely to be answered. And that's what rich call data is supposed to do. Now, whether you're doing rich call data or whether you're doing stir shake, and there's a certificate associated uh, that has a public key that's used for verifying that signature. That's available, as Jim pointed out, the United States, in Canada. Next year, it'll be France. Um, but what do you do for the rest of the world? So, Jim, what do you do for the rest of the world? Exactly. But so, sorry, I can't help myself, Pierce. Um, That's okay. You described is... it. I mean, basically, listening to this, there's two strategies. There's a carrot and a stick. Eric, you're focusing on the, on the stick. Great. Uh, that that that's great. I, I I hope we enable that. I'm focused on the carrot. They're not incompatible. So hopefully we can go. So what do we do about about the, uh, globally? So basically, um, and and the uh, the uh, North American Numbering Council uh, Call Authentication uh, Trust Anchor Working Group CADA uh, looked at this in some detail. Sent out a report th this summer uh, looking at this. The problem when you go beyond there's a couple ways you can go beyond Canada and the US right the first way is a country at a time and that that's fine but that's going to take forever or close enough certainly uh, long enough Eric that I think you're right uh, people will have lost interest before you you get all the way there the other approach is you find some entity that that can that can be the definitive global authority for the, the world and the problem is and again this was delved into in the report is that when you look at the usual suspects for that kind of a global authority, they all have a, um, a constituency that fully supports them, but they all have limitations and people who absolutely refuse to go there. And you pretty quickly conclude that, that searching for the one that everyone's going to support is, is a fool's errand and is just going to weigh you down. So what you instead need to do is you need to pick, I recognize that there will be multiple authorities that are, that are not tied to a single country. Um, you could call them global, uh, but that kind of implies it is the global. Uh, what we're starting to call them now is non-jurisdictional GAPAs. So they're not tied to any given country. And there can be more than one of those. Um, they, um, they need to be reputable and be recognized and trusted by the US and the Canadian and the French GAs, but they can go forward. And that's the approach that we're taking. And again, we're, um, we've talked about this in, in, in past conferences, but Addison and I Connective are working to, to uh, launch one of those that will allow um, service providers in, in countries that aren't currently um, covered to get certificates if they're trustworthy and, and they're suitably vetted and in turn offer the services to enterprises that have gone through the Know Your Customer effort and are suitably vetted so that they can have N10 calls. It, it, it will not solve it everywhere. It will not fit into a, uh, the stick side of it so much, but it will enable the carrot, which hopefully will create a pull for that.
so that's what we're trying and we're trying to just you know get on with it and hopefully move the yardsticks or meter sticks take your pick eric well what did i miss um <laughs> You know, I don't know where to I don't know where to start somehow in, in that because well everything you say is perfectly reasonable, but then it is ultimately about how many people and how many countries and how many businesses buy into any plan, which is why I keep elab saying elaborate the plan, you know, be clear about what the plan is, and the plan is sometimes confused with the technology, so I don't disagree with you that stir shaking is a tool, but a tool is not a plan. A tool is not a strategy. A tool has a place within a plan and a place within the strategy and is a plan and you intend to use the tool in certain ways. Um, I, I think it's a little bit interesting that right now that we're on the cusp of having an American become the new secretary general of the ITU. So we're, 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 you're saying, Jim, that you've kind of given up on the United Nations uh, dealing with this problem. I, I don't mean to be flippant, but why wouldn't the United Nations be exactly the right kind of body, you might think, to deal with this kind of problem? I mean, if you want somewhere that everyone's represented and they send engineers from all over the world to the ITU, Jim, so you would think that perhaps that might have a chance, at least, or should be dealing with this problem. I don't know if you want to jump in. Um, I'm ha ha point. happy. There's two... Um Obviously, I can't speak authoritatively on that, but there's two uh, catches I can see. One is that the ITU develops standards as opposed to creating the governance structure. They're, 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 they're not completely different, but they're not the same. The other is that this is very much uh, in, the, in the IP domain. And while there's uh, total recognition that, um, that the ITU is the authority in the traditional telecom domain, when you go into IP, there's significant objections, uh, is my understanding. And I understand that it overlaps, but it, it, it's part of it. And I think, I think that's, the, that's the catch, as I understand it, uh, in the discussions I've, I've seen. Fair enough on that, but I would also say that um, that uh, difficulty in terms of transposing governance from traditional telephony to uh, IP-based networks. Well, that's the, that's, that's the rub either way. You could be applied to a number of practical problems too, including whether we deal with spoofing or not, or how well we deal with authentication or not. Yeah. The other thing I would say is that with the carrot in mind, incentivizing people, yes, there's a logic for rolling out stir shaken more generally, but then there are other ways that can be used to achieve some of the goals that stir shaking could be used. And if it isn't a comprehensive global policing type strategy that's being adopted, then you could seek to pursue certain specific carrots using different tools, using different methods. So I'll draw your attention to the fact that um, Deutsche Telekom uh, uh, recently extended increased their ownership of the number of shares that they own for T-Mobile, just over 48% now, your old company, Pierce. You don't tend to get up to over 48% if you're not planning to get over 50%. And Deutsche Telekom is right now trialing a technology which is an out-of-band approach, distinct from the approach that ATIS has standardized and would solve a lot of the same problems. So I can, I can see there a very simple boundary if you like that exists somewhere in germany especially if those germans are now in, in attain control of t-mobile where people will be saying well here is 
uh, front line between one technology that's used to achieve this goal and the different technologies used to achieve this goal. And choices need to be made. And of course, when it's a carrot type approach, it could well be that we end, we end up in a very multipolar um, uh, infrastructure for our technology when it comes to, it won't be digital signatures used across consistently across different countries. And there'll be some intermediaries, perhaps like Deutsche Telekom, who will be playing the part of uh, go-between in determining yeah. which calls are acceptable or not. We well, I mean, uh, certainly we have concluded that it's there's we we have to accept the possibility that there will be multiple solutions and that but of course you need end to end interoperability so there would need to then be interworking or, or or translation between those that's that's something that we we fully recognize the one thing that I will say that I I, I personally strongly believe in is that anything that is put forward in a meaningful way has to be standards based. Um, if, if the approach is standards-based so that multiple people can implement it and multiple implementations can interoperate, then, then that's a totally legitimate discussion. When we get into the domain of product offerings, that, that's, that's where I personally have, have heartburn. Um, the other thing I will say is that I've looked at uh, several other solutions that have been proposed, or mechanisms that have been proposed that were standards-based. Um, and the only area where I really get a bit annoyed, upset, is when people talk about these as, oh, this is so simple. And, and the reason I, I object is that, again, well, we had it with, with Stir Shaken. You know, when you, when you don't know that much about a thing, geez, it looks really simple. Uh, and then as you understand it better and better, you realize that, well, you know, if you really do it, I mean, I, Pierce, you're old enough to remember when SIP was this wonderfully simple thing. Six, <laughs> six, exactly. So, I mean, so, so, yeah, so, so Eric, by all means, it's just that um, um, as long as people don't call them, uh, this is a much simpler solution, uh, then, then we, we can see. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I think we've given up on the idea of, of, a, of a definitive, mandated, global approach. That, that just doesn't fit with our world. I mean, it would be nice in some ways that would make our, lab, our job easier, but that's just not the way things work. I don't have a dog in the fight about simplicity. I think I point, I want to point out that cost will be a big factor in which techniques get adopted around the world, especially as you want countries yeah. that are not as wealthy as the USA to engage with this because you want the countries that are the origin of fraudulent calls to be engaged, and therefore cost will be very important indeed totally. to determining totally. which technologies are successful. Totally agree. Even without cost, though, you're you're indictment from the very first podcast is still correct if you if you're going to do stir shaken between carriers where they're signing and you're verifying and you identify that there's somebody who's sending you calls that are illegitimate what are you going to do about it right so even if you get a global GAPACA and issue certificates and and Deutsche Telekom doesn't like AB handshake or whatever and then decides to do shaken what are you going to do if you identify that there's bad bad calls coming? So uh, we're running a little a little low on time. So I just want to make a, a quick comment, Jim, that uh, it would be great if you are able to elaborate more, uh, which is what Eric challenged you with, on uh, what the Addis and iConnective proposal will do. So one of the questions in my mind, for instance, is the um, access to certificates is 
constricted within the United States. You have to be a service provider or a responsible organization. You have to have a NECA OCN or you have to be, uh, you know, an 8YY telephone number management company. Um, that uh, is actually going to be a challenge for when people want to do rich call data with um, delegate certificates and there's also a challenge with doing RCD and shaken. But anyway, there needs to be some elaboration yeah. about what gets in there and uh, how that's reliable and trustworthy. But we have a, I can get one, one minute response. So, so absolutely. And that comes down to a kind of a know your customer uh, initiative applied to the, um, to the service provider. Uh, it involves uh, knowing that they are who they say they are, uh, getting information about, you know, and, and, and that includes multiple implementations of it that, that, that are under the same umbrella, um, that they establish a reputation and their technical credibility. And what I will say is that that actually is very similar to the approach that, that Canada is taking to uh, allow P uh, service providers in who don't have direct access to numbering resources. And so it's the same kind of thing, just you, you, you basically vet them using those principles. And I can go into pages of detail offline if anyone wants, but, but that's the essence of it. Okay, good answer. Uh, Eric, is it okay if I... Um... We're good to go. All right. Then I want to, we have a question from the audience and I'm supposed to ask Jim McEachern, how does U.S. unwillingness to sunset TDM impact the prospects for global adoption of Shaken? Two quick things before I run out of time. Uh, one is that um, Addis does have a non-IP call authentication task force that is working on mechanisms that would work for, um, for um, non-IP, for TDM networks. Um, it's not complete, but it is working on that problem. But the second thing, of course, is that uh, even if you solved it completely in the U.S., you still have a lot of TDM globally. And I believe that for this to really be useful, either as a carrot or a stick, you need to go uh, global. And therefore, it, it's just, again, one piece of a, a much larger puzzle. All right. Very good. Well, we'd like to thank all of you for joining us today for another episode of Tuesday Talks. This was a great session to have our first three-way conversation and uh, on this podcast, and perhaps it won't be the last you'll see of all three of us. All right. Thank you. Thanks, all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks, your source of truth in the communications industry. Our next live episode will take place on Tuesday, September 27th. Pierce Gorman will be returning as your host once again alongside Sarah Delphi, who has recently joined Numerical as Vice President of Trust Solutions. Together, they'll discuss establishing trust in a phone call via Know Your Customer, from verifying the originating identity and service provider to everything in between. Don't forget to register for the live session. We hope to see you there.